All right, we are in the book of Ezra, but I want to talk to you today about a a phrase found in the Bible seven times that I know about. And here's the phrase. The first day of the first month. The first day of the first month. Seven times in the scriptures, you're going to find that topic. The first day of the first month. Well, we are in a new year, 2021. And uh, our first day has already come and gone. Uh, That was on Friday, and today I understand it's the 3rd of January, 2021. But some significant things happen on the first day of the first month in our Bible. The first thing that happened is found in Genesis chapter number 8 and verse 13. You may want to write it down. I'm not going to be able to take time to go through every one of them. I want us to spend most of our time in the book of Ezra. But on the first day of the first month... Noah opened the covering of the ark, and he looked out, and he saw dry ground for the first time. He saw mountain peaks away off, but for the first time, he saw dry ground on the first day of the first month. And I think that speaks of this. What had just happened? God had brought judgment upon the planet, but now there was there was proof of new growth. There's proof of peace. Matter of fact, a dove came and brought an olive branch in her mouth and brought it back. And then he let it go again and it didn't come back. But on the first day of the first month, he opened up the ark and he looked out and he saw dry ground for the first time. I think that speaks to the fact that we can experience peace and fears can be abated. We have lived in 2020 where fear has been prevalent. Some folks are terrified as we speak, and some folks are paralyzed by fear. Things of what might happen or what could happen and things of that nature. But you know the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of. If fear is gripping me, it's not because God gave it to me. It is a spirit It is real, and the Bible says, try the spirits and see if they be of God. So when you get nervous, and I get nervous, and I do, I get scared. I'm six foot four, 200 and too many pounds, but I get scared. I get nervous about things, and things overwhelm me, and they make me afraid. But that fear does not come from the Lord. And I think as as we learn from that first day of the first month in our Bible, Genesis 8, verse 13, that we can have our fears abated. Judgment has come. Judgment is coming again in this world. But if we know God, we know peace. If we know him, we have the Prince of Peace within us. And fear is not coming from the Lord. I think there's a couple of things that, that I'll share with you, and you may want to write this down. The next one that comes to my mind is found in Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 17. And the Bible says, the word on, the, on the first day of the first month, the word of the Lord came into me. I think it's a great opportunity for us to remember, as we start a new year, let the word of God be prevalent in your heart and life. Let God speak to you. Love your Bible. Get a good Bible and decide, you know, some of you might want to get a brand new Bible if you want. And say, this is my 2021 Bible, and I'm going to underline promises Miss Annie told me they've got a beautiful selection of Bibles up in the bookstore. Maybe that's what you ought to do. Maybe you ought to get one you have from, you have already a couple extra ones. You take one and say, you want this to be my 20. I am let the word of God speak to me. 
not just on January 1 and 2 and 3, but for the rest of the year, the Bible tells us on the first day of the first month, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Let the word of the Lord come to you. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to Wednesday night. Be faithful to Sunday school. Be faithful to, say, well, I haven't done the Bible, I haven't done the Bible Institute. Maybe that's something you ought to do. We're going to talk about that this morning. Maybe it is that uh, you haven't done the discipleship lessons. That will get you to the word of the Lord. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Some of us, we've been stagnating. On the first day of the first month, let the word of God come to you. In Ezekiel, also in chapter number 45, verse number 18, the Bible tells us, on the first day of the first month, take a bullock and put the blood over the doorpost. It's talking about atonement. It's talking about sacrifice. And you know, there's an opportunity for all of us to do something for the Lord. Many of us, we only want to serve God within our comfort zone. As long as it's easy for me, I'll do it. Some of us were much willing, more willing to write a check than we are to knock on a door. <laughs> Some of us are more willing to do the easy thing. But let me encourage you, on the first day of the first year, of month, once you decide, you know what, I'm going to hear God's word. I'm going to let fears be abated. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a fearful person. Because we got fear over here, we have faith over here. We can look out and we can open the, the door of the ark, the proverbial ark of our life, and say, Lord, you've got dry land for me. You're going to take care of things. You've taken care of us through this storm. You can take care of my tomorrows. But it also might be uh, 2021, the first day of the first, of the first month, to go ahead and, uh, and do some sacrifice. Take something and give it to the Lord. Give it to, give it to someone else in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think another thing that comes to my mind is found in Exodus chapter 40 and verse number 2. The Bible says on the first day of the first month that you're supposed to set up a tabernacle and a tent to set up worship for God's people. God told Moses, he said, Moses, on the first day of the first month, organize worship for God's people. One of the reasons we come to church in part is to worship. Now, that's not the only way you worship. I think some, maybe the greatest form of worship is done independently, you and God. But you can't do that just by yourself. You're supposed to worship the Lord together with God's people. When we come to church, I thought about this during our COVID. When I was sitting here many Sundays and many services, just me in this pulpit, three men behind me, and scaffolding right here with cameras. This is a lonely place without you. But I thought to myself, when we get to come back to church, what are we coming back for? And I thought to me, we ought to worship the Lord. How can we worship the Lord? We worship Him in public praise and singing. Let me encourage you, don't make the fifth song the song you start singing in. Start singing right off the bat. When you come in, don't come in with a complaint. Come in with a praise. While you're sitting and watching the world go by, you ought to say to someone, let me tell you what God's done for me this week. Praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But we ought to come and whether pastor gives you a chance to praise the Lord publicly or not, you ought to praise the Lord. Because God is worshipped in our praise. He's worshipped in our prayer time. He's worshipped when we preach the word of God. He's worshipped when we publicly read his word. We're not going to read God's word at Soldier Field today, 
They don't care about the Word of God. They're not going to read it in the average business that's, that, that, uh, that, that functions in our area. But when we come together with God's people, we should enjoy. Bring your Bible and be ready to read the Scriptures. We worship the Lord in giving. And God said on the first day of the first month, Exodus chapter 20, verse number 2, Moses set up the tabernacle and induced worship into the people of Israel. Another thing they did on the first day of the first month, we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse number 17, Hezekiah said on the first day of the first month, sanctify the people. So I want you to get clean. Now, many of us, we may be cleaner, but we're not clean. There's still things on our phones that shouldn't be there. There's some things that we entertain ourselves with that are not wholesome. There's songs that we listen to that you know it and God knows it. It grieves the Holy Spirit every time you listen to it. And we need to get clean. There's some people that you have on your text and your email and, and your social media that you have no business allowing what goes on on that phone or on that device to come into your ears and your eyes. Hezekiah said on the first day of the first month, let's sanctify ourselves. And by the way, let me say to you, God provides the water and the soap. You need to clean yourself. He tells us we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But over and over you'll find the Bible where the Bible says, keep thyself pure. We live filthy lives trying to honor the Lord. That's not way we can do that. I don't know what's going on behind your brown or your blue eyes. You don't know what's going on behind there, but God knows. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to see. The, the Bible says the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth all his goings. I can talk to you and you can talk to me, but none of us can talk away out of way from the Lord. He knows what's going on. And he wants things to be clean. He, one of his goals for every one of us is not only to be saved. If you're here this morning, you're not sure if you were to die, you go to heaven, you need to know that. And you can know that. God loves you, cares about you. The second thing you need to do is to be clean. God wants us to be clean. He said, now add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And then the whole list of other things always follow virtue, purity. Uh, this afternoon, Linda and I will, will enjoy lunch together. After lunch, we'll take the plates. Sometimes I take them, most times she takes them. And she'll clean them. She'll put Dawn soap on it, and she'll wash them. She'll rinse them. She'll dry them and she'll sanctify them. She'll put them back in the shelf for next Sunday morning. You know, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be clean, set apart, ready to be used again. And the Bible's on the first day of the first month. Hezekiah said, let's sanctify ourselves. Let's get clean. And then the book of Ezra also, in chapter 10, there were people who were, had taken in, men who had taken in strange wives. God had given his priests and his leaders responsibilities and said, listen, you marry right, you keep your marriage right, and don't you take in strange wives. But there was a group of people who had taken in wives that they should not have. And God called them out. And he said, when the end, he goes, make sure you do this. Purify yourself from these men who have, are perverted and wrong and get rid of them before the first day of the first month. Now, I know we're, th we're 72 hours past the first day of the first month of 2021, 
But if there are some things that are not right in your life, you ought to get rid of them before you continue on in 2021. So those are six places in the Bible where God says the first day of the first month, these are some things that are important to me. But today I want to look, if you can please, just briefly at the story of Ezra. Now Ezra is a scribe. He is the scribe. He has grown up in Babylon or Persia. He is a part of the captivity of, of, of people that were taken from Jerusalem and marched from Jerusalem to Baghdad or to modern-day Iraq or Babylon. And uh, he's been over there, but he has stayed true to the Lord. Somehow or another, he, like Nehemiah and possibly Daniel and others, he has uh, woven his way into uh, some influence with the authority. Artaxerxes is the king, and there were several of them, but this particular gentleman got a real fondness, and God stirred his heart. Already years before, some say 21 years, some say 58 years, some say a year before. I don't know how long ago it was. I'll just, uh, I'll just let the scholars argue about that. But the Bible tells us in the first few, let's go and look at it. Ezra chapter 1. Would you just turn your pages back to Ezra chapter 1? This is a beautiful thing. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. And read the rest of that verse with me, would you please? Verse number one, the Lord stirred up. the, And he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing. And basically, he said, the Lord has charged me to go and rebuild him a house in Jerusalem. Now, Cyrus was not a necessarily a Sunday school um, schoolboy. He was the king of the known world at the time. And the Lord stirred him up and gave him a burden to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I think probably Cyrus probably did accept the Lord. I'm assuming we'll see him in heaven one day. But he was the world leader. And it reminds me that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. His rivers of water, he can move it however he wants to move it. But before Ezra left, they allowed Zerubbabel to go back, and he was part of the lineage there, and he went back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem at the hand of Cyrus. Now years have gone by, and Ezra is the scribe. And Ezra has got uh, some influence there with the government, and Artaxerxes says, you know what, I think I'm going to let you go too. You want to go back? He said, yes, I do. And he lets him go. Let's look real quickly at what the Bible tells us about that, and we'll make a couple things, a couple notes before we dismiss today. Verse number 6 of chapter 7 of Ezra. We're in chapter 7 now. Verse number 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. The word ready means diligent, hardworking. What does the Bible say about that in the New Testament? Study to show thyself unto God. A workman need not to be ashamed. By the way, you know what it is to study the Bible? It's work. You know what it is to pray? It's a little bit of work. You know what it is to work on a bus route, build a Sunday school class, be faithful to the work of the Lord? It's work. He was ready. He was a hardworking scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. By the way, are you a hardworking student of the word of God? We ought to be. And the king granted him all his requests. So he had talked to the king about what to do, according to the hand of the Lord, his God upon him. And there went some of the children of Israel, 
And the priests and the Levites and the singers and the porters, these are people that serve the Lord in the house of God. They were the staff and the deacons, so to speak. These are people that worked in there and the singers and the porters. The Nethanims, those are people that uh, they drew water. They did some of the manual labor. Be people like would be cleaning the buildings here or people who would shovel sidewalks. So many of our men out this morning, bless their hearts, they're working hard getting the sidewalk shoveled today before you even probably woke up this morning. Folks were busy about doing that. But these are people that serve the Lord in the house of God. And so the Bible says that they went to Jerusalem in the seventh year of our exercise, the king. Verse number eight, read it with me. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which is the seventh year of the king. And then the Bible says in verse number nine, for upon the first day of the, began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem. It's a four-month trip. According to the good hand of his God upon him. Verse number 10, read it with me again, would you please? For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. With this in mind this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, they took a journey. On the first day of the first month, they made their journey from Babylon, a place of slavery, a place where someone else made their decision for them. It's a, it's a type of the world. There's two words in the Bible that are places that God gives us types and shadows of the world. The first is Egypt, and the other is Babylon. Uh, Egypt, to get out of Egypt, it took a blood sacrifice. Remember that? What they had to do to get out of Egypt? There had to be a lamb that was killed and the blood put on the doorpost. And, and to you to get out of Egypt, you to get saved, it took the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It made a cross, if you will. Uh, uh, there, was, there was blood there, there was blood over here, blood over here, just like Jesus on the cross. It made a cross in the Old Testament, types and shadows of what Jesus would do for us. And so when you get saved, God delivers you from Egypt. But when we go and live our lives, oftentimes, of course, the children of Israel, they got saved. They got delivered out of Egypt. Then they went into the Red Sea. That's a type of baptism. After you get saved, the next thing you need to do is to get baptized. You don't have to get baptized to be taken out of Egypt. It took the blood sacrifice to you get baptized because God wants you to, and it's a part, of your, a part of your flow. And then you begin to walk with the Lord. Well, after they got to the promised land, they got really apathetic and used to doing things that they wanted to do. They'd already built their temple. They had gone through their kings and God, and they began to take for granted God, his word, his tithe, his, his years, and God tallied up, and he sent them and gave them to captivity to Babylon. Sad thing is, is that after the king let them go back, many people never left Babylon. Many people got comfortable in the world. And it doesn't take a blood sacrifice to get out of Babylon. If you're a Christian, you've already been saved, and you're living a worldly life, and it is killing our churches, it's killing our homes, it's killing our influence. This world does not need another cheap imitation of itself. It doesn't need a worldly Christian. A worldly Christian will not make an impact on this world. A Babylonian Christian will not do what God wants them to do. You cannot have a godly life on a diet of this world's garbage. 
Many of us, we, we, we think like Babylon. That's why the Bible tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said these folks that are let to go out of, out of Babylon, they didn't take a blood sacrifice, they just took their willingness to get out of there and go. Many of them stayed. They never went back to Jerusalem. They never went back to the place where they were supposed to worship the Lord and supposed to go back. And there are many Christians who leave this life not right with God. Saved, going to heaven, but worldly as they can be. I don't know about you, but whenever they lay my cold body in that grave, I hope to goodness I have finished strong. I hope to goodness I was dedicated. I was committed to the Lord, and I was, I'm not a worldly Christian. I don't know if that's going to happen for me this week. It very possibly could have my funeral this week, or it may be the next decade, or maybe the next year, or maybe the next two years, whenever it is that I die, I hope to goodness I have finished my life committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Ezra got to leave Babylon. He got the permission of the king. He got the provision of the king. He got the protection of the king. And they went back. It was a four-month trek. These are where the wise men came from years later to find the Christ child and the king of the Jews. They would have come from that same area. No doubt reading some of the same writings of Daniel and others who had spent the Jews who had spent their time in Babylon. But the Bible says some very important things here. I think we can take in the first day of the first month of 2021 to heart. Number one, I want to encourage you to decide to stay out of Babylon. Are you a worldly Christian? The Bible tells us you can tell someone who loves the Bible. Why? Because they'll be bridled in their mouth. They won't say ugly, wrong, critical things. They'll be bridled in their speech. They'll be benevolent in their spirit. They'll be a giving person. And they'll keep themselves unspotted from the... See, all of us as children of God, we have uh, His garments on us. But it's our job to keep the world off of our garments. Well, if, you got a, if I had a spot on my shirt this morning, I wouldn't wear it. If I, if, I, if I ate lunch this afternoon and I got some gravy on there, I can't imagine missing a mouth this big, but it happens sometimes. And all of a sudden it goes off my lips into my, into my, into my, uh, my, my, my shirt. I want, I'm not going to wear it, I'm gonna, or I'm going to scrub it out. The Bible says we need to keep the world off of us. In 2021, let me encourage you, decide to keep Babylon out of you. Think differently. Live differently. Love differently. Hey, someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ who doesn't have Babylon in them, their schedule is going to be different. Their checkbook will be different. Their entertainment will be different. Their home. We walk into your home. Can we tell we're in a Christian home? Can we tell by your reading materials? Can we tell by your Facebook account? Can we tell by what you buy on Amazon? Are you a child of God? Can we tell by the places you go and the words that you speak and the text? If we'd, all we had about you was your text, would we know that you're a child of God? Would it be obvious? If all we had was your emails and your podcasts, would we know that you're a child of God first and foremost? I would say in 2021, we can learn from Ezra, get out of Babylon. Decide, I'm not going to live in Babylon. Number two, and I must hasten, but desire the hand of God upon you. He said this two times, that the good hand of God was upon us. 
your hand has 27 bones, 12 joints, and 46 muscles in your hand. But your hand doesn't matter as much as what God's hand. It was, it was a guy named Jabez who was somewhat uh, born with two left feet. Things were not going too good for him. He said, Lord, would you bless me indeed? Would you enlarge my coast? What was the third thing he said? Would you put your hand upon me? Would you hold my hand? Would, would it be obvious your hand is upon me? I don't know about you. I'd like to have more dads in this room that your kids could say, hand of God's on my dad. I'd like to have more mothers in this room, more sisters and, and senior citizens, and they could say, you know, the hand of God's on that young man. Not that he's successful in business. Hand of God's on him. Well, if I want someone to witness someone, I think I'd want him to do that. If I want someone to pray for me, I want him to pray for me. If I want someone to pray for me, I'd ask her to do it. The hand of God is upon me. 2021, we ought to stay out of, we ought to stay out of Babylon. We ought to ask God for his hand to be upon our life, just like Jabez did. I think another thing we can learn from Ezra is that he dedicated himself and he prepared his heart to know the Lord, to know his word. Look, if you would at least verse number 10, we need to hasten. The Bible says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He prepared his heart. He dedicated his heart to get to know the Lord and to know his word. Then I last, I like what he says also, and not just to know it, but to, hey, that was where Nike got its quote. Just do it. You know, the Bible tells us here, and it reminds us that our sermons whisper, but our life shouts. You and I ought to be a good testimony. Not only what you know, some of us are information fat, we're application skinny. Oh, we know where to find things in the Bible. We can, we can even find Hezekiah if you give us long enough time. We know all the books of the Bible. We know where to go, and we've done this and done that, and we maybe even have uh, degrees and certificates to prove it. But our problem is a disconnect, what we know and how we live. But Ezra had prepared his heart, not only to know the Word of God, but to do it. Then lastly, he dictated it to others. I want to encourage you, make somebody else's spiritual growth your responsibility in 2021. I want you to say, God, with your help, I'd like to have someone in this auditorium or someone who loves you and knows you one year from now. Because not only will I seek the law of the Lord, I'll do the law of the Lord. And boy, that's what people need. It was Mark Twain that said, nothing aggravates me more than a good example. Well, what we need to be is a good example. A good testimony to your kids. A good testimony in your neighborhood. People may not understand you, but they ought to respect you for your walk with the Lord and your testimony and your talk, the way you conduct yourself, and then teach somebody else how to do that. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things which you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to do what? Teach others also. Dr. Vogel has said this. I remember hearing it when I was just 22 years old out of his mouth over at City Baptist. He who does the teaching does the learning. Whoever does the work does the learning. Learn how to give it to somebody else. Ezra, on the first day of the first month, he took a new journey. And he took that journey dedicated to get out of Babylon. He dedicated himself to 
to know the law of the Lord, to live the law of the Lord, and to teach other people. He dedicated himself, I think, as a beautiful testimony to make sure that the hand of God was upon him. This morning, why don't you start 2021 the way Ezra did, on the first day of the first month.